Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. I am joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We are reporters, writers, editors for ArizonaSports.com and the Empire of the Suns. This is our podcast. We talk about the Suns and it's a good time to talk about the Suns. They just won two games in a row over two, well, one really good team and one team that's probably not good, but we're, are we sure the Lakers aren't good? I think we're sure the Lakers aren't good. But they're they're not terrible. I'm pretty sure they're not good. Yeah, they're, they're not terrible though. And no. the Suns picked up two wins in two games where we were just asking for them to be competitive. And what happened was they were competitive in both of these games. And then when push came to shove in crunch time and when they had to close out the game, they did just that. My main takeaway from these games was the play of DeAndre Ayton. I think this is. The guy we saw on Monday, we saw him a little bit in the Lakers game, but the guy we saw on Monday, that was my personal favorite performance that he's had this year. He had 19-12. and 12. I, He could have had 9-2, and two, and I would have said the same exact thing. But what we saw out of him, the way I described it was, this is pretty much everything that made him a top-level prospect. I think the way that he can move laterally, the potential for him as a scorer offensively, everything that is potential and upside for him, I think, was shown in that game. And it was just a preview of what he could look like in two to three years down the line. I don't think this is a point you can look at and say, going forward for the rest of his career, he's going to play like this. After all, we're coming off a two-month stretch where he was kind of blending in with everything that was going on around him. But yeah, that was my overall impression. Is yours the same? Yeah, it's kind of, just to temper things, a tad that was against two teams that are very unique that have a very good player but players that one don't really shoot when we talk about LeBron and Giannis and guys who he's not going to play against every time and when I say that this is weird but he doesn't show up against no-name guys as much and when you challenge him and we've looked at this the Golden State game these two games if you give him a challenge where he has to take on more than he's used to, then he responds very well. Um, going back to college, the Oregon game, which we keep saying is his best college game on tape when he didn't have a head coach who looked like he might be fired, he just like responds really well to challenges like that. Um, and that's a wide range of challenges. But what's going to happen when he's playing against the Knicks what's going to happen when he's playing against the Heat like things like that are what you want him to realize hey if you come with that same energy and effort and focus I think focus is really more the word that I'm looking for there then you can be great every game and I think that's the next challenge and that's where we kind of take this but that said like he pretty much shut down Giannis on drives. He defended Eric Bledsoe on drives. He challenged Lopez out beyond the three-point line once he got a few shots off and really got better as the game went on, which the rest of the Suns did, which I think is 
kind of as a team now, if we talk about them as a whole, that's the biggest thing is they respond to challenges. Even going back to the Miami game last week, it was responding to them getting ahead. When you watch Giannis and the way that he dominates, you think it's it's pretty much impossible to stop him, even without the jumper going. And the Suns made it look like he was someone you could actually contain to a certain extent. You can contain, I think, like LeBron is on that list of you can't really contain Harden you, unless you're just going to flat out double him. There are guys, Steph, you can't, KD, you can't contain them. But you can you can do things to at least help yourself out. And, and his performance was the lead of that. And then as a team, and going back to him again, his team defense is something I think you highlighted in the morning that that was the best team defense I've seen him play. And that is, again, back to what you were saying. So if he is fully locked in and really trying to achieve a task, we're just seeing him being capable of it. And that's a huge, huge um, sign of great things to come for him, not just good or very good things. He can. That was the sign of a great player. They ran the offense room against the Lakers. It was with Kyle Kuzma at center, and then they put JaVale McGee back in there. He responds by going 8-11 from the field and then nearly doubles his career high in free throw attempts from 8-14. to 14. And then on Monday, it was more of what we talked about. And on offense, it was just more so that two different times he showed something that was like, that is your offensive upside right there. He had the fallaway jumper, which Chris Hansen replied to me in, in correctly saying like that looked like a guard shooting that the way that yeah. he kind of hung in the air that's not a and like, possibly big men, went through contact yeah big men kind of rise up and just shoot at the top but he kind of hung in the air for a second didn't really double clutch but he hung in the air and then of course the move beyond the elbow on Miritich which I asked him about um, and he said that's a move where him and Booker run that dribble handoff and Book has been telling him like if you keep on that and you see space in front of you go there's no reason not to and that's what we have all been hoping for him uh, all year is that when you have space to dribble, you should dribble. And it's not even that he's good at it yet. It's just you need to start incorporating that more so you can get better at it. And his handle has looked tighter in the, in the past couple of weeks compared to where it was when we rarely saw it at the start of the season. So to me, it's it's the most encouraging two-game stretch he's ever had. The Brooklyn game is the one I always highlight, but that was just him showing he can dominate. This was him showing like I can be unlike any other center you've ever seen, which is what we talked about so much pre-draft and after they drafted him, is that if he has his upside in certain parts, there's no one else like him. I think when you talk about one thing that probably isn't important at all, but like impresses me is when you talk about his handle, if there's a loose ball on the ground, one, his arms are long enough, even though he's seven feet tall, where he can put the ball on the ground pretty low. And two, when balls are loose, he often comes out with the ball just because he can do that. Like, he has a really good feel for that. Like, that one scramble play, which I don't know how to describe it. He, I think he ran out on the left corner, contested a shot. Giannis got the ball somehow, and he and Oubre doubled The one him. that Basketball Breakdown posted? Yeah, that one. So someone in the left corner got the ball, and Maybe whoever closed, closed out, out. and yeah. they did a wild job. So Aiden has to, had to be the guy under the rim. But instead of him automatically jumping, he stayed on his feet, which allowed him to, when the dump off came to Giannis, he smothered Giannis with Ubre. Yeah, and then the ball got loose, and he was the one to come out with it. Like, that's 
that play was the one where it's he was doing all of the little help things and doing secondary secondary things where he's reacting and not just giving up because he oh he closed out or oh he put his hands up and didn't jump like he kept going and that's he's there now like i said at the beginning of the year he's not even in shape to do those things for very long and now he is um that alone seems like it's made a huge difference like i don't know if he's gonna ever cop to being out of shape but i'm gonna ride that train personally and say he wasn't ready for the nba now he is and so he's he's able to do these things in more than spurts and put series of things together and then finish on a, on the other end with a dunk or he's gotten to a few passing lanes way out on the perimeter. So all that stuff is kind of related, but yeah, it's, I think he's more important. And I kind of said this, I think on the air once, maybe more important than Booker already just in how good this team can be because that six game stretch where he was out and Booker was in, like they were terrible. They weren't close. He's, he's the guy that has to get better. He's the guy who they have to lean on as much as Booker. And I think that's showing right now. It's funny that you said that about his, um, fatigue because Kokoskov was asked after the game, just about his performance. And it was annoying. I was trying to get him to talk about team defense, but he could tell that the narrative was going to be him against Giannis, so he kept talking about him against Giannis. And I was like, no, I just want to talk about like his help side. <laughs> like That's all I want to talk about. Um, but he said he's always known that Aiton is capable of that in terms of defensive possessions, strong individual defensive possessions, but he said the key is him getting more energy and being able to do it four to five times in a row, and then now he's doing it for his entire eight minutes he's out there or whatever. And that's what Kokoskov said, which plays into what you said. And I think we can just, like, that's a way of just flat out confirming. Like, he he wasn't in the right – He he's a physical freak, obviously, but in terms of his overall stamina, it just wasn't where he needed to be given what they asked him to do. I think last night one thing that stood out, Igor's been very, like, he's going to reward him – or Rashawn based on who's playing well. And that's a lot of times effort or energy, whatever we're saying right now. Last night, I'm pretty sure Aiton and maybe Booker entered with like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. And he just was like, you know what? You got, and it's like, they're not going to have another break. This game's close. And they rode that. Um, and so he did that. He, he scored that important bucket down the stretch. He was playing great defense down the stretch. So yeah, he played that long of a final stretch at the end of a game made some huge plays um that's something he couldn't have done if he even knew what he was doing i think at the beginning of the year so coming off the rising stars game which is in his game log for some reason someone <laughs> needs to fix that that's why i was making a weird face in case you're wondering uh 13 and 9 14 and 12 14 and 10 16 and 8 it was just did all you these... click on it with your touch screen or oh no i didn't you could Oh, yeah, I could. <laughs> it, it seems like it defeats the purpose. Like it smudges the screen and stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. When yeah. I when I have the other option, I should use the other option. But he had a he had a very meh kind of performances coming back, especially after he had the quote, which was on that road trip where he's like, "It's takeover time." Like we've seen takeover time now the last two games, but we didn't see that see it beforehand. Yeah. And one more thing I want to mention about the two game stretch and Aiden in particular is that when he's playing at this level, 
just having a second player of that caliber and to another extent, Kelly Oubre is a third player. You take three guys playing really well in the starting lineup, all of a sudden you look at the plus minuses, and in the Laker win, Oubre was plus 14 and Booker was plus 13, and then in the Bucks win, Tyler Johnson was plus 25, Aiden was plus 23, Oubre was plus 20, Booker was plus 14. So the starting lineup, it's going to come together. Like People were doing the plus-minus argument with Booker in January and even in parts of February, and it's like he, he just needs help. It's always been that he just needs help. Yes, his overall play had changed here and there, but it's always just been about him needing help. And so when you add Kelly Oubre, who's a certified good NBA player, and then Aiton was a great NBA player in the last two games – that starting lineup is now going to start to be able to do this and can carry I, the team. Can I unhate on Tyler Johnson, who I think is... Oh, yeah, he's he's figuring it out. Like, yeah. I don't... Even last night, he wasn't really scoring, but he was right in with the deflections, and, like, he was in on every rebound, it seemed like. There was one play where he was the only guy rebounding, and it's like, little Tyler Johnson's in there. Like, dude's not going down Kyler Murray Avenue here, but he's not that big. Like, he's a little over six feet, maybe, six feet and two-eighths or whatever they do in the NFL, but he's been making those winning plays that people, of course, it's like, oh, he's with the Heat, oh, James Jones knows him from that, but he does do that stuff, and he does kind of have a thing with Kelly, and he does have a voice, it looks like, on the floor, and it does help Booker. So I think that starting lineup is what you hope that they build things around and they hope that they keep it like we can talk about D'Anthony Melton probably should play instead of Jamal Crawford later but I like the starting lineup and it's kind of that identity around Booker of energy guys who are just scrappy can I say one thing about the starting lineup and people can't get Uh, mad at me this is where Dragon Bender starts to actually be kind of valuable yeah when you have good players around him yeah Kind of seems like in the Milwaukee game, I think it was, it was either the Milwaukee game or the Laker game where he had like four or five good plays in a row. And I think it was like, he's making good plays on both ends. And I was like, yeah, because there are good players around him and he's feeling more comfortable because of it. And he doesn't feel any pressure. And again, that's all on him and his his state of going about things. And I'm not saying that he's still not a bust or whatever, but when he is at his most comfortable when he feels more comfortable, he's going to play better. And when there are better players around him, he's going to feel more comfortable. And I think that's what we're seeing with him in the past couple of games. Um, well, so anything else from the two-game stretch? One, one thing, my favorite stat is the Suns, and this sounds bad, but the Suns shot 6 of 26 from 3 in the Laker win, and then they shot 7 of 22 from 3 in the Milwaukee win. And both of those are because they were playing good enough defense to cancel that out. Yeah, They shot like 70% from two-point range or something in the Laker game, so it was a little bit of that, but they held the Lakers to 109 points, and they held the Bucks to 105. And we say held because they've been giving up 120 points a night, basically, since January. Do you want to talk about Ubre more? Just his comments with... Yeah, so by the time you guys are listening to this, it's actually happening as we're talking. He's talking on the, on the Burns and Gambo show. He was asked by Gambo... Of all the other teams in the league, is this the one you would prefer to be at? And he said, why would I go anywhere else? He had several quotes where he was basically saying, he said Phoenix, this was the biggest blessing of his career so far with coming to Phoenix instead of Memphis. And then he also said, 
I believe there was another quote in there somewhere along the lines of, I want to build a dynasty and a legacy here with the DA, Book, Bridges, and everyone else. Like, those are the guys. Wow, those are the guys, huh? Those are the guys. Interesting. Interesting. Those are the first three he named. Uh, But, yeah, he said he wants to create a dynasty here. He wants to stay somewhere. And with the Suns holding restricted free agency, if that's really how he feels, I think the only snag in this was always going to be, I mean, I guess some team could give him 17 or 18 million. I just don't see that happening. But I thought the only snag here in him not coming back was just him not wanting to be here. And if he wants to be here, I think he's he's going to uh, be here next season. You're not as sure? We don't know who the GM is, Kellen. Uh. <laughs> Kellen's... Check the minute second mark on your podcast right now. This is how far we got before going down this inevitable road of... We lasted a minute. A taking minute. poops in offices. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the segue, but well, yeah. I think I think it's just important to address that Uber wants to be here. Or at least he says he wants to be here, and I think that's when Jason Kidd's running the front office and says, "I don't like that guy as a player," I'm sorry. I'm just trying to like. Well, you're <laughs> with him though. It's important to realize, and Tyler Johnson getting more comfortable is that you're starting to see what this team was supposed to be. Yeah, and what. Ryan McDonough plan to put around DeAndre and Devin Booker. We're going to get all these long athletic dudes. We're going to get all the switchy wings who can play three different positions. And yes, it comes down to how effective Warren and Jackson and Bridges and Oubre are in those spots, but all the switchy wings just need to get a point guard and the point guard thing never happened, obviously, but we're going to get Rashawn Holmes too, who is basically a different version of what Aiton is. He's a super athletic, bouncy rim runner who can switch as well and defend and Ubre fits right into that and fits into what this team was, and that's what I wrote about when he got here and why it made sense for him. It actually worked out really well for them that it turned out that he was the guy in this in this uh, snafu. Yeah, it was a snafu. Got to start shooting better from three, though. Yeah, he's, he's at about thirty-one. I want to say right now with Phoenix, and not many it. have been in rhythm. I'll say, but yeah, he's taken a lot off the dribble too. It's I think he should just be a catch and shoot guy until. Yeah. Yeah, but. That, at the same time, that's the player that he is. So, Speaking of poops in the office, my segue from two minutes ago, I <laughs> shot down. If you did not read it, oh boy, you missed one. Oh uh, boy, you missed one. ESPN's Kevin Arnovitz did some in-depth reporting on the Suns, and believe it or not, if you do some in-depth reporting on their front office, you're going to hear a lot of stories that are shocking and surprising for a professional sports organization and a franchise. The highlights were Robert Sarver stories, one in particular we are referencing, and you're very confused about goats pooping if you're not caught up to speed here, is that uh, when Diana Taurasi had goat night, because she's the greatest of all time, they got goats there, which was amazing, and very good social media. They put the goats in Ryan McDonough's office, which was both a practical joke, this is how it was framed, both a practical joke and an actual like point in saying we need someone who's going to be the goat, which I think I everyone a th- does. I have a theory. You have a theory. Well, you can. You want to finish the? Well. The goat stayed in McDonough's office. They pooped all over his office, <laughs> and then Robert Sarver went. While well, McDonough was probably like, "What the hell? Why?" Is and then he happening? soon extended. And then he was like, "Oh, hey, we're extending you, by the way." <laughs> uh, my theory is, I know this timeline doesn't add up, but the goats ate a fax to acquire a point guard off the fax machine before it's sent. Because goats eat paper. They do eat paper. 
fax machines are loud too, so the guy would like turn around and be like, "What's that?" And see paper. Don't and, like that. Oh, paper. Just ate Terry Rosier right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know why you would do that. It's kind of funny. The point is, though, that was a great symbolic thing that happened to the Suns front office. Anyway, read that story. Um, it's just it's just more of what we've been talking about. We we aren't surprised by it, us personally, because and I don't think most of the listeners were surprised by hearing this stuff. Gambo Gambo like talked to a lot of people and people thought he was backing Robert Sarver, but if you look at his tweets, it really is just clarifying different perspectives, I think. Like he said Grant Hill wasn't dressed down by Robert Sarver, but Robert Sarver did tell him they should stop Vince Carter. Um, the other interesting thing Gambo tweeted was, I don't know if it was, I don't know who told him, but basically said the two weasels who got coaching jobs by saying that they could bring players of certain high caliber free agent types to Phoenix. Uh, those coaches were the ones who got the most like Robert Sarver coming into the office, telling you what to do things. That doesn't seem like a defense of Robert Sarver because that would indicate he hired these weasels in the first place and then didn't fire them when he went in their office. So to me, that's just like, well, yeah, this is as bad as we thought it was and as ridiculous in some respects. Um, Arnovitz was kind of interesting. He came on Doug and Wolf today and was just saying, hey, Robert Sarver was really nice. He tried to clarify some stuff with me before I published that story. He seems self-aware, at least, that things have not gone. And, of course, he's going to say he's going to try to fix them, and you have to take him for his word. So I guess if that's the positive, then that's the positive you take out of it. Um, it's just a matter of how he can do that, and that's what we all don't know. That's what I wouldn't know if he was a competent owner getting out of this situation when you have the perception of all these bad things. It doesn't matter if it what truth is or where truth lies. It's That's perception. And I think that's the biggest issue, especially when you talk about free agency. My takeaway from this, in it coinciding with the play of the team and the way DeAndre Ayton looked, is that the only way this situation is going to solve itself is if these young players are as good as we think they are and as good as they are going to be. If DeAndre Ayton is a world beater and turns into the best center, one of the best centers in the league, and Devin Booker is leading the league in scoring or right in that chase, and Mikhail Bridges is one of the best 3 and D players in the league, it doesn't matter how many goats are pooping and how many offices. It, does not, it just doesn't matter at all because they're going to be winning 50-plus games and look to make serious noise in the playoffs because talent is going to trump everything even bad coaches you look through that you look through the history of of really bad coaches i think obviously vinnie del negro and the, those clipper squads come to mind right away like they were still winning like 45 50 games because they had blake griffin in his prime they had chris paul in his prime they had deandre jordan in his prime like you just have to and that was during the i believe that was during the donald sterling mess so that is always going to trump and and come over. It's going to overcome anything, almost anything. It, it would take the Suns would have to really pull the Suns to not be able to get a ton of winning seasons out of this group if they pan out. I mean, look at you look at past Suns teams that had identities. You look at 
their coaches. Alvin Gentry has had Anthony Davis, and they've not been great. Why? Because they don't have really a system that and fit around him. LeBron James is probably still, what, top two, top three player? Yeah. I guess maybe top four this year because he's not been great relatively. But you put the wrong players around him and they're not going to make the playoffs. So it's, yeah, it's so many different things, but it's so much is about fit and talent and how things go together and guys being in the right spot and having the right mindset. Um, Like, is Trevor Ariza that much worse than Kelly Oubre? I don't know, but definitely Kelly Oubre is 10 times better for this team in this moment. And he's a better fit alongside these certain players. So, yeah, it's... I think when we last left our listeners with our last podcast, it was questioning, like, hey, is Igor going to be around? And you would hope he turns it around and they have a good run here because that's about stability just within the ground level, literally the ground level of the basketball operations of this franchise. It has so many other problems above it, which, yeah... Arnovitz's story was very good in that respect, like just how the disconnect is very physical. But yeah, basketball-wise, it's been a good week. Longer than a week now. Yeah, and it's only and it's funny because on one of the three outros I did for this podcast, in one of them I said, "Hey, we'll be back on Monday if this weekend, or we'll be back on Tuesday if this go if these games go well." And if not, we'll see you later in the week. And turns out we're podcasting on Tuesday because those games did go well. I think the Knicks, I, this is actually a fascinating and perfect time, in my opinion, for the Knicks to come to town. Because it's like, all right, with the way you guys are playing right now, this is not like a you won five of seven, but you lost two straight. But this is a game to kind of get you. You're still in this form, in this current form right now. So can you take care of business and beat the Knicks by 15 like you should? With the way that they played on Monday, I was talking to Jamal Crawford today, and I said, like, that was... I, I told him, I was like, you've been on playoff caliber defenses, and that's the term we always use. Like, that was playoff caliber defense you guys played on Monday. Can they play that again against the Knicks and then just let their offense resolve itself? Because their offense is going to go through bumps as it always does. It did in that game, but they got buckets when it counted because that's where they're at their strongest. If they play defense like that, they are going to be able to compete every game. I have zero doubt about that. But yeah. is it going to be the same mindset from this young team going against the Bucks, the best team in the league, and Giannis, who is arguably the best player in the league, and DeAndre Ayton specifically being asked to do that matchup and prove something, as they will against Noah Vonley and Damian Dotson. I really <laughs> doubt it, and I think that game's not going to go well because I just... Human nature of young guys. It, Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. I, I'll leave it at we'll see. But what they have done is prove me wrong because I said... Those three games on the road were the chance to really rebuild this and get something going. And it turns out they took these games at home. And I said there was still a shot, but I didn't think it was going to happen. And it has happened to a certain extent. I don't think it's happened to the grand extent where they've turned their season around. You can't say that after three out of four wins. But if they continue playing like this and they play near 500 ball, which is what they're on pace to do right now after the All-Star break then you can start to say like they did turn their season around and what Kelly Oubre Jr. And I cannot emphasize enough how hilarious it is that the guy who's an impending RFA, he said he wants to stay here, obviously, but the guy who's a restricted free agent coming up is the one that is saying, 
like these games still matter because there's a season coming up after this one and we need to be improving for that season as much as possible and that is how they need to look at these games you can say tanking and all that crap they're way beyond that obviously we've shot that notion down like 24 months ago (laughs) yeah anything else I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Empire of the Suns. You can rate review us on iTunes if you dare. Just up to you, I guess. I I don't make up your guys' minds. It's a, you, I don't have that ability. I'm not a superhero. I can't hack into your mind and make you give us five stars. You can give us whatever stars you want and tell us how you feel. People have been doing that and I've enjoyed it very much. I appreciate you guys telling us to get back on the pod machine last night after that also few of you did that. This is the pod machine. By the way, we're in that same studio we were last time. So maybe if this keeps up, we just have to record here every time now. And this is like the good lucky charm. Are you superstitious? Sometimes, yeah. I think we should be superstitious about I guess, this. Yeah. So if they beat the Knicks by 15, like I said, I want to see. Then we'll be back in the studio next week, we promise. Until then. Peace out. Good transition at the end there, Kel. a boy.